guys, who let us have a podcast? <laughs> Welcome to the Habit Podcast. I'm Christina Franklin. I'm Natalie Hopkins. And I'm Paige hey. Burke. And welcome. I hope you guys are as excited as we are. <laughs> Hey guys, Coach Christina here. I just want to let you know to stay tuned until the end of the episode for a special announcement from Coach Nat. Thanks. We're here. We have a special guest tonight. It is Rachel Pajednik, our girl. If you don't follow her on Instagram, you should because she just like spits real realness all day long. Rachel, you are an assistant professor. You are a scientist. You are a former fellow at Harvard. You are doing the coolest shit in the wellness sphere in Boston like ever. So tonight we're pulling you onto the pod because we need your expertise talking about supplements and all sorts of other stuff too. But we're talking about supplements. You know, can we get high quality ones? Do they even do anything? We're going to go down that road. But before we do that, before we even hear more about you, can we can we do a new segment? Let's do it. We do a new one every week. So what is it this week? <laughs> okay, this week we're talking about what we're watching on like television or Netflix or like whatever. I'm not a YouTube watcher. I feel like there are like very avid YouTube watchers. I don't really do that. My husband exclusively watches YouTube. I don't get that. Do you, Rachel? It's all he watches. I am not a huge YouTube watcher, but I did hear a really like horrifying thing. So I'm a professor and I found out that the majority of people aged 16 to 25 or so get the most of their information off of either YouTube or Snapchat. So Snapchat? Yeah. Terrifying. Mm-hmm. I don't even have terrifying. Snapchat on my phone. I don't either. Neither do I. Are we old? <laughs> Yeah, we've just officially outed ourselves. Okay, so I guess if you have Snapchat on your phone, you should stop listening to this episode um, because we are crusty. So, Rachel, what are what are you watching these days? So, I have started watching Four Weddings and a Funeral lately, which I actually just think is really wonderful. It's like brain candy. It's just kind of entertaining. But the reason that I I'm watching that now is because I just finished up The Handmaid's Tale and that was horrifying. Yeah, just just absolutely horrifying. So I needed something to bring my mood back up. What is Four Weddings and a Funeral? So it's um, Mindy Kaling put it together, I think, based off a movie from back in the day, like mid-90s or so. And so she stretched it out into a series on, I think it's Hulu. And it's just like these you know, friends that are going through all kinds of different types of relationships and some of them hook up and some of them don't, some of them get in fights and it's just like absolute vanilla. There's like nothing going on. It's just nice to sit and drink a glass of wine and watch it. So Handmaids and Four Weddings and a Funeral are both on Hulu. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Paige, do you have Hulu? I used to. I used to do like or I did have for a minute the three month trial. I was binging. This is so random. I can't even believe I'm saying this. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> I was binging the European version, really the British version of The Hills. <laughs> what? <laughs> On Hulu? You guys, it's so, it's literal, so um, pure entertainment. <laughs> you think Housewives is entertainment? <laughs> This show, this was a long time ago, but that's the last time I've seen anything on Hulu. (laughs) I actually get a free membership because I pay for Spotify for my 
What? We need to talk about this because I have, I have premium yeah. or whatever Spotify is and I cannot, they yeah. won't let me get it because Mark and I share a plan. Why? Oh, I was, it was literally just a button that I clicked. Okay. I have to, yeah, I was like, this. yeah, okay. it's just free. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. That's actually a really smart way to get people to watch Hulu. Right. And they have, they have great shows too. Yeah, they do. I know, but it's like, I can't do Hulu and Netflix, Hulu and Netflix. Like I cannot out of like, Oh yeah. I can't pay subscriptions for both. Like I, it's out of, it's not in my practice to do that. Like I can't, I just can't do it. I can't. It's one or the other. <laughs> out <laughs> of principle i don't think the nine bucks would really put me out on the streets but like i honestly i just like out of principle i can't do it i'm an hboer i love a good hbo show um i just finished euphoria and it blew my mind it was so intense i mean you definitely need to like make sure you're doing something positive before or after you watch um i would assume too if you have children i don't know if i would recommend watching this uh- are you putting a parental advisory out right now? I mean, honestly, like if I had children, I would be so scared for their future after watching what these high schoolers do. But that being said, the show is incredible and Zendaya is my forever girl crush. So two heavy shows, one not so heavy show. It's a comedy, right? The wedding before weddings and a funeral. I mean, it's like a rom-com. It's a rom-com. Okay. Yeah. I'm the opposite spectrum. I'm watching like a business drama. <laughs> business. Drama. Well, it's really has nothing to do. It's ever been used. It has it really like. I mean, it's really like not. It's it's called Succession. It's also on HBO. Oh, I'm an HBO fan as well. It's a great. Do you guys watch it? Yep. No. It's so good. Yeah, it's so okay. good, and it's so messed up. It's so really? evil. If this if this is how business actually works at the highest levels, I am mortified i'm I'm, yeah it's like it's very cool it's like this guy and he's this like media mogul and he it's like it's called succession because it's like who is going to be his successor out of his family Mm. but like he's evil in like the white collar kind of way like he's not like a serial killer but like he's like an evil guy it's just it's all sorts of muddled and it's really good it's a good okay interesting i need a new show so maybe that's what i'll start with I'm also watching Ballers because The Rock is just like so good looking. Oh, I want to like that show so bad. I can't. You don't like it? There, I hate it. It's there. There will never be anything like Entourage, and they try to make it just like Entourage. You're right. You're right. And I love The Rock. I love him. <laughs> I know. I just can't get behind the show. There's something. It's so. It's so. Rachel's like, going like. Rachel's like nodding her head. You're like you're She's like, like I laughing. love him. <laughs> I know I'm upset. Like he needs to be the next president. He's for sure. delicious. So. Delicious. He's so yummy. I just feel like he would be a good guy too. Uh, Don't you want to just be friends with him? Yes. I say this yeah. all the time. Yeah. I like, oh, okay. We're not here to talk about how good looking the rock is. So let's take a quick pivot from talking about how good looking we can't call him the rock anymore. He hasn't been the rock in like 20 years. Dwayne. Anyway. Let's stop talking about Dwayne and let's start talking about Rachel and how we want to be friends with you because you're a good person. You're going to be the next president. So tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, like what you're working on. Feel free to like shamelessly plug anything you want. I feel like you are doing lots of really cool stuff. So tell us all about it. 
Yeah. So I am a professor by day at a university in here in Boston called Simmons University. And I teach nutrition and exercise science to aspiring dietitians and exercise physiologists. So that's what I do all day long. And I do my research on different behaviors like exercise and nutrition to promote and to promote health and prevent diseases. Mostly I look at type 2 diabetes, although that is changing, which I'm actually kind of excited about. And this is a very new switch in my research track, which is really interesting and really relevant to what we're going to talk about today. And then, so we can talk about that in, in a few minutes. Ooh, so, yeah. What a teaser. I'm like on the edge of my seat over here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm really excited about that. I have to tell you about my adventure that I went on today, but that will we'll have to hold until t- the later. And then by very early morning and evening, I'm actually, I've been part of the fitness and wellness community here in Boston for, you know, 15 odd years where I started out as a personal trainer way back in the day when I was a little baby undergrad thinking, out, you know, I got my degree in exercise science and I was, you know, working with clients. And then it's just sort of carried through up until I got my PhD. And now I'm a spinning instructor here in the city. And I teach at Flywheel in Boston. I'm pretty competitive. So that's like a metrics-based ride, which is pretty fun. And I'm also a cyclist outdoors so that they kind of match up together. So that's my, you know, outdoor activity. And then the other thing that I've I've been doing a lot is um working in both of these worlds, you realize very quickly that they don't talk to each other ever. The scientists, as I like to say, suck at Instagram. So the fitness people just don't know where they are. They don't know where to get the good information from the primary sources. And the fitness people are all trying to like, you know, do their hustle and trying to be on top of everything and, you know, doing what we do. And the messaging kind of gets lost in translation because people don't really have very good information because the scientists are really bad at getting it out there. So one of the things that I really try and do, and you mentioned my Instagram page, and one of the things that I try to do on social media is take these really complicated scientific nutrition and exercise, you know, theories and and the data that we come up with and translate it into usable bites for people. So, you know, thinking about things like, you know, today when we're talking about supplements, it can be so complicated and there's just so much bullshit that constantly is just being driven at people, mostly from a marketing perspective. And then the idea is, can we sort of wade through all of the BS and get to what's really, you know, right and true and based on the evidence? Um, and then, and then the other part that I think is really awesome, and this is where my new research is starting to come in, is can we take some of these new and emerging things that are happening in the fitness and wellness space, and then bring it back and investigate it in the lab? So Ooh. what I did today, yeah, what I did today was I actually spent the entire day at a medical cannabis facility. What? And yeah. All day. I I like smell like weed. No, I'm not kidding. Yeah. True story. This is like one of the coolest things I've ever done. It was so fun. I got to hang out all day in like talking to the scientists that are growing all the plants, figure out how they grow them. And then I was totally geeking out with their scientists on site, talking about how they extract things to make, you know, different medicines that they're making at the, because it's a medical facility. Um, in Massachusetts now, we just have we have medical facilities that are legal, and then we also have what they call adult use, which is also called recreational use. Mm. Um, and so 
that's legal here too. And so from a research perspective, I think it's really fascinating. We have all these products that are coming on the market and a lot of them are being marketed as supplements, things like CBD mostly, right? Yeah. um, Yes. Yeah. And so this is where I'm going to tilt my research and I'm really excited. I got the thumbs up from my department chair. Um, We're going to look at CBD and we're going to look at recovery and we're going to look at um, gut health. I've got a... um, Stop it right now. Yeah. I've got a grad student that's really wanting to look at how CBD affects the gut. So it looks like my career is taking an interesting turn um, based on, you know, the sort of fitness wellness space and, you know, recreational marijuana use. And all these claims... Um, that it's yeah, curing yeah. everything. <laughs> That's exactly right. So I'm super excited. Um, I'll be looking for grant money. So if anybody out there wants to uh, fund a <laughs> study. Fund talk me. about a shameless well, yeah. plug. That's what we were looking there we go. for. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's sort of fascinating because it's legal in certain states, but it's not legal federally, right? So it gets really, really complicated yeah. where I can't apply for a federal grant. So I need foundation money and oh, local shit. state money. Yeah. Which is crazy though, because it's like people can be selling CBD like it's, you know, freaking bread. And at the same time, it's not regulated. Yeah. So how does that make any sense when you're trying to, maybe it's not even that you're trying to disprove anything. You're just trying to understand, you know, actualize and understand the information better. So it's like, how is that right? That you can't get money for that. (laughs) Yeah. So it's really fascinating. Like, a lot wow. of supplements actually kind of fall into this is that they're really loosely regulated. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one's really interesting because you have CBD that comes from hemp, which is a completely legal plant. And then you've got yeah. CBD that comes from cannabis, which is only legal in certain places. And so you've got these companies that can actually, I mean, it's in everything now. Like you go to the grocery store and you can buy lotion that has yeah. CBD in there. Yeah. And he, Here's the thing that I, the reason that I got really psyched about it is I did a search for all the studies and I'm looking at these products and people are constantly reaching out to me and they're like, what do you think about CBD? I'm like, I don't know. It seems, you know, like it's not going to hurt you, but we don't really know exactly what it's doing yet. And I went and did a search specifically on people were looking for um, recovery from exercise. The reason that people were looking at it is because one of our football players, Gronk here for the Patriots, mm-hmm. just... He's no longer playing and he sort of attached himself to this CBD provider and everybody's like, oh, Gronk's doing it. This must be really wonderful. And I went and did a search on cannabidiol, you know, athlete recovery, muscles, anything in humans. And you know how many studies I found? None. Zero. There are zero studies let me tell you that number again. Zero. <laughs> Let me make that loud and clear. There's, there is, so there is zero studies yeah. that show Looking the relationship at- between CBD and humans. Well, no. So there are some studies that look at CBD and humans, but specifically thinking about like muscle in recovery. recovery and yeah. So like all these, like you go to these juice bars now and everybody's like, oh, we're like putting droplets of CBD in. We have no data to show that that's doing. Wow! My chiropractor was putting CBD all over my traps today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did find out. Interestingly, I did find out that the likelihood that that's actually crossing your skin today from the scientist that I was talking to is like pretty slim. So really, really, what's happening probably is that the CBD is doing something lovely to your skin because that it does that. So you'll have lovely glow and you won't have any weird rashes, but. It doesn't actually get into your bloodstream. 
So, or it does it very, very minimal amounts. And so it's probably not actually affecting your muscles. The massage itself is probably what's doing that. So, which is nuts because what I literally just heard, I think a week ago, again, word of mouth is that topical is more beneficial than oral. Yeah. So, so it's just like all these claims. Yeah. So I, so this is one of the things that I want to do is the first study that I want to do is a dosing study, which is I want to give people an oral at different doses. I want to give people a rub at different doses and then see what's in their blood. Like step number one, was we got to yeah. figure out like, does it even get in there? Yep. So yeah. So this I is really interesting. I cannot wait to I just this. want <laughs> this entire episode to be talking about what you're going to be studying <laughs> or all the things you can study or the different, like how you're going to keep it controlled and who, like what? Yeah. So this is a really fun, like literally this is like hot off the presses today. Congratulations. So, yeah. Super exciting. Well, I guess we talk about our topic now. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's all related. It is all related. It is all related in that, like, I liked when you were yeah. saying that one of the, like, your, I feel like your whole thing is all of these claims, a lot of them are unfounded. And yeah. so you're kind of this, like, known as this, I don't know if you choose to be known as this, but you're known as this, like, debunker, this, like, myth buster <laughs> of bullshit, which I love. I love that you do that. And you, like, I, you go on, if you don't follow Rachel, you really have to. We'll link her um, step in or her. Instagram handle in um, our notes, but I love when you go into your like database and you do searches <laughs> and you film doing searches being like, oh, you want to yeah. talk about this bullshit? There's no studies. Yeah. So I love that you do that. But <laughs> that's why we have you here. We're not doctors. And you know, our guidance has limits for our clients. And so you're going to be our expert. And let's just go into let's go into like our first kind of topic, which is going to be women's multivitamins. Yep. So what I kind of want to do first is just talk about like what we've heard about women's multivitamins. Paige, what have you heard about women's multivitamins? I guess I've heard mixed reviews. I think they're like becoming like, I feel like in the nineties, they were super popular. I just feel like everyone was talking about them and they were on shelves everywhere. And then they kind of took a break and I feel like now they're back. Like the Ollie brand, I'm not going to lie. I bought a pack of it last month and I'm still taking them. I don't really know if I've seen total results, but anyways, I feel like they're coming back on the market pretty heavily. Yep. So the thing with the multivitamin is that you definitely want to be taking them if you're sure you're deficient in something. So all vitamins and minerals are what we call essential in nutrition. So what that means is that you have to eat them because you can't make them yourself. So if you are deficient, having a multivitamin is a really good idea. And there are some times in life where having a multivitamin is even a better idea. So for example, if you're trying to get pregnant, you want to make sure that you're taking prenatal vitamins, mostly because if you don't have one specific B vitamin called folate, it can lead to things like a neural tube defect, which is spina bifida. And so that's directly related to a nutritional deficiency. But you want to be really careful because what we know is that there's kind of like a sweet spot for vitamins and minerals. Not having enough is bad, but having too much can be equally as bad. And you can overdose on a lot of vitamins. So when we take these pills, if you go and buy them at like GNC or Whole Foods or CVS, whatever, and you're seeing, you know, a thousand percent or 1500% or whatever, that's actually really a bad idea because they can, one of two things are going to happen. Either they're going to accumulate and that can be really problematic because you have too much in your system, or you've just spent $40 on this bottle of whatever 
And if they're water-soluble vitamin or mineral, if you don't need it, you are going to just pee it right out. So you have to be really careful that you're not overdoing it. So here's a really good example is I did all of my early research on vitamin D about 10 years ago. And what we thought at the time was that you couldn't overdo it with vitamin D, that it was kind of this, you know, benign fat soluble vitamin that, yeah, it might accumulate in your system, but it didn't seem to be doing anything bad. And so one of the reasons that you take vitamin D is for bone health because it helps absorption of calcium and calcium is going to obviously make your bones hard. And they just released this new study like literally two weeks ago that showed they took healthy people that didn't have vitamin D deficiency and they put them on three doses of vitamin D. One was 400 IUs a day, which is underneath the recommended amount for your daily intake. One was 4,000 IUs a day and one was 10,000 IUs. So one was like a real mega dose. Mm-hmm. And when they followed them three years later, they found that these healthy people that are not vitamin D deficient, those that had the really high doses, 4,000 and 10,000 IUs, their bone health actually started to get worse. My God. Yeah, I know. It was just released. So we don't know 100% that that vitamin, the excess vitamin D is like breaking down bone. But what we know is that there is this sweet spot of, you know, calcium handling and making sure that your bones have enough and not too much and that they don't, you know, they don't know what to do with too much. And so, you know, I can't say right now based on this one study that excess vitamin D is going to screw with your bone health, but it's a really good example of a vitamin that we were like, ah, it's not that big of a deal if you get too much. And now we're realizing, shoot, like we should really pay attention to this. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Wait. So can I ask you a follow-up question before we get to the quality vitamin thing. Yeah. What is it like, where are you finding this information? Where are you like looking up these studies? Is this public information or is this like a secret scientist database that we can't access? You can totally access it, but it is a secret scientist database. So the like, (laughs) it's not really that secret. I'm kidding. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm picturing like, okay, so it is sneaky scientists because I'm picturing like a like locked layer and you need like scientist eyes to be able to like be scanned to access it. (laughs) Yeah, it's exactly what it is. (laughs) You can borrow my scientist eyes. So the website, which is basically like Google for scientists is called pubmed.gov. So P-U-B-M-E-D.gov. Here's the thing. The reason that you actually do need some sort of like secret science password is that you can get access to any evidence or peer reviewed article that, um, scientists have written, as long as they are in the form that you can access them without paying for them. Otherwise, all you can see is the abstract. So if they're not, and this, the scientific world is actually trying really hard. This is like a kind of off topic, but it's trying really hard to provide more full length peer reviewed manuscripts to the general population so that people can actually have access to this data. But right now, unless you belong to like you, you log in from a university website or something like that, they pay for subscriptions for all these journals. And so if you don't have a subscription, you can't access the full text. But most of the time, if you look at the authors and you just email them, the contact information is right there. Um, they will send it to you so you can get a copy of that manuscript. Here's the other thing about that is that people think that going in and just reading this manuscripts that scientists have written are like easy, like reading a blog post or an article that you'd find on New York Times. Yeah. It's like a really complicated paper to read. Like the vocabulary is really different than you would see in the popular press. The way that things are written is really different. There's a ton of numbers. There's a ton of graphs that unless you're trained 
to read them. It's just really overwhelming. So that's one of the reasons that I try to take that information, make it digestible, and then give it back to people so that they're not completely overwhelmed. Like the other day when I posted one of those things, somebody actually messaged me and they were like, is that even English? I don't even know what what that paper is saying. So yeah, like the vocabulary is just really, really different unless you know the words. You know, like for example, if you were looking at, you know, vitamin D, you might see it written as calcitriol, which is a version of vitamin D. And if you didn't know that that was something, then, you know, like all the vitamins have these scientific names. Vitamin E is like alpha tocopherol. And if you didn't know to look for it, you probably wouldn't know that that's there. So it is complicated, but it is access. So there are ways that you can kind of tell the quality of a vitamin if they've had outside testing done to make sure that the purity is there. Um, and there'll be a little label on their bottle that says, you know, they've had outside testing. Problem with that is that you don't know the quality of the lab that they've been testing at. And so, you know, that was one of the things, interestingly, that I was talking to one of the scientists about today with this CBD extract is they were like, you know, if you're uh, buying from, you know, just XYZ brand, they could be getting this you know, really not purified CBD from like, he's like, you could go on Alibaba, which is like the Amazon for China. And you can buy, yeah, you can buy a gigantic bag of CBD. You could do this right now, buy a gigantic bag of CBD, but you don't have any idea what the quality is, right? And so a lot of companies are actually doing that and they're putting it in their salves and their rubs and their, you know, edibles and tinctures and whatever. And you don't know what the quality is. So here's a really interesting study that was done by the uh, New York State Attorney's Office about maybe like seven or eight years ago now. And they went in and they bought bottles from, you know, just the normal places that you would buy supplements from. So, you know, GNC, Walgreens, CVS. I don't think they went into Whole Foods. And what they found when they tested the product is that only about 50% of them had what the bottle said was in there. So either it, it was like, a, yeah, Shocking. it was a dramatic, yeah, dramatic number. So it doesn't necessarily mean that you know, there was, you know, like dust in the bottle. It could, although some of them there were, there were all these like extra like plant extracts that shouldn't have been in there. And some of them, just the dosing was off. So if it said, for example, that you were getting 100 milligrams of something, it was, you know, 25 milligrams were in the capsule. And so that led this, you know, huge testing issue within the supplement world is that, you know, the testing standards have gotten much more strict, but there still is a real big problem because for the most part, Unless somebody goes in and does an investigation like that, the supplement you know industry isn't policing bottle by bottle. As long as the the supplement company says this is what's in the bottle, unless somebody actually goes in and tests and can prove that it's different, nobody does anything about it. So there are some brands, and you can look at consumer reports, and you could just Google it, like Google the brand, see if they've done the testing, you know, see what labs they use, see if the labs are reputable. For the most part, if you buy from you know, a smaller shop. So there are a lot of like vitamin shops that you can buy, you know, vitamins from Whole Foods is actually a really good resource. Um, I know it's not everywhere. I actually think Trader Joe's has some pretty good vitamins. So, you know, just you have to do a little bit of due diligence. The other thing is when you think about a supplement with regard to quality is you want to be really thoughtful about the idea that you could be paying $80 for a bottle of a certain vitamin because it's got a really pretty label and you could go and buy that exact same vitamin at Whole Foods or GNC for $5. 
And the quality between the two is probably not that different because the sort of dirty little secret of the supplement industry is that most of the vitamins in particular, the minerals, not so much the herbal extracts, those are a little bit different, but the vitamins and minerals come from these two or three gigantic companies that you've never heard of. They do all the extracts, they create all the powders, then they send them to the formulators. The formulators, you know, put like your little packet of, hi, this is your vitamin for the day. They put, you know, the B12 in and they put the iron in and whatever. They make it look pretty. They slap a really nice label on it and then they charge you $80 for the package. When in fact, it is exactly the same extract that you know, the other company is buying and formulating just for cheaper. I know. So me with the Ollie bottle. I know. It's exactly right. So I mean, I think the thing is that, you know, if we go back to the idea that like, if you are deficient in something, you should have a vitamin like that's, that's real, you know? And so you want to be careful that you're staying in the like 100% range. You want to be careful that you're buying it from a source that's been tested. But yeah, I mean, it is a little bit of a Wild West kind of situation. But I think that there are people doing really good things and trying to get really good product out there. And then is there like a non-negotiable vitamin, like a vitamin that you just say, like, we all need, we should definitely take it? Like that you should take? Yeah, there are two. So the first is a vitamin D, not because I did all my research on it and I'm biased, but actually <laughs> there's a really good reason for this one. <laughs> so vitamin D, there are two ways that you can get it. You can eat it. Uh, from food, which is where I tend to tell people to get as many of their nutrients from as they can. Start with food. If you're not getting enough of something, then supplement. Um, But vitamin D is really interesting because especially if you live in the northern parts of the United States or Canada, um, Europe, in between the months of about mid-November to early April, um, you actually can't make vitamin D from your skin, which is the other place where you get it. Um, The reason for that is the wavelength of the sun is not at the correct angle to hit your skin. And then what it does is it breaks open a cholesterol molecule and it goes through your body and it eventually turns into vitamin D. But you could literally, I had a professor that said this and I always thought it was really funny. He's always said you could dance naked on a bluebird sunny day in Boston in the middle of January and not make an ounce of vitamin D. So if you're not getting it from fortified foods like dairy or You know, you can get them from mushrooms if they've been irradiated, but if you're eating organic mushrooms, you won't have that. Um, So if you're not getting enough from your food, you should have vitamin D. So that's one. The other is B12 if you don't eat meat or a lot of animal products. So the only place that you can get B12, it's either made by animals or it's made by yeast. And so we actually, interestingly enough, have the capacity to make a little bit of B12 in our very low intestines the microbes in our body actually make it for us. But it's so low in our intestines that we can't absorb it because it's beyond the part where we absorb nutrients. So if you don't eat a lot of animal products, uh, you should definitely take B12 supplement. Um, You can get it from certain foods if you're a vegetarian or a vegan, like um, uh, nutritional yeast you can get it from. But it's literally, you would have to eat two heaping tablespoons of it every day. So unless you're dousing everything that you eat as vegan in nutritional yeast, which some people do, you'll get your B12. But other than that, you should definitely take a supplement. The reason for that is what we know about long-term vitamin B12 deficiency. And it doesn't always show up 
in your bloodstream. So even if you are a vegan and you get blood, your blood tested and your B12 is normal, you should still take a supplement um, because it has long-term effects overall. If your tissues are deprived because it's in your blood and not actually getting absorbed by your tissues, um, you can start out with anemia, which is really bad in the short term. But then in the long term, it actually ends up doing pretty aggressive nerve damage because it what it does is it coats your nerves with that fatty substance that um, allows your nerves to do their job. So you might have actually seen a really interesting headline about this. Did you see that headline that said that um, there was like a kid, 17 or 18 years old, that ended up blind and deaf because he ate a junk food diet? No. Yeah. Go search this one out. It's really fascinating. So if you go and see like a blog post about this, you'll see that the kid went blind and deaf and had anemia because he was eating junk food. And really what happened is he has a really rare um, eating disorder. And so this really rare eating disorder, basically he could, he only was capable of eating. It was it's like a fear-based eating disorder um, where he would only eat basically brown foods. So he ate potato chips, he ate bread, he ate like bologna and, you know, French fries. And what the uh, case study basically showed was that he had a massive B12 deficiency and they were trying to give him supplements and trying to give him injections, but he really wasn't taking to them. And so this eating disorder combined with that B12 deficiency or allowed for that B12 deficiency to sort of go on for long periods of time. And that's when he started to get massive nerve damage to the nerves that went to his eyes and to his ears. So it's a really extreme case, but it's a really good example, I think, of how bad things can get if you don't have um, don't have that B12. So if you are a vegetarian or a vegan, it's probably a good idea to add that in. I have a selfish question. Iron deficiency. Is that sort of the same deficiency as B12 side effects? So with iron deficiency, yeah, that you will get anemia from both having low iron as well as having low B12. Okay. And they do two different things. So one has to do with the size of your red blood cells and the other one has to do with the actual iron that is incorporated into your red blood cells. So yes, they will both end up with anemia. They're slightly different versions of anemia, but um, yeah, you can end up with anemia from okay. both of those okay. deficiencies. Got it. I have like this inkling that I'm deficient in iron right now. Oh, I'm like so low energy, like yeah. can't complete a workout to save my life right now. And I'm eating a lot. Oh, are you sure you're not overtrained? <sighs> Potentially. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> overtrained, underslept. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Yeah. That could be that too. <laughs> uh, why don't we talk next about BCAs? Mm. I personally know nothing about them. So I don't have that good of a grasp of what they even are. So why don't you just give us the full rundown of that? Yeah, sure. So BCAAs are, it stands for branch chain amino acids. So these are individual amino acids that come from protein. And there are three of them, leucine, isoleucine, and valine. And so there are actually 20 amino acids nine of them are essential. And these are three of the essential amino acids. So remember, essential means you have to eat them because you can't make them. And so these amino acids, what they do specifically is that they're really potent muscle protein stimulators. So you'll see this a lot for people that are trying to lift weights and get stronger is that they'll take a branched chain amino acid supplement in order to get that boost um, from their weight training. So the really important one from this is actually the one called leucine. And leucine is that branching branch chain amino acid that we're, has been shown to really have a a pretty potent effect on increasing muscle protein. 
Um, the, the only caveat is, is that you actually have to be lifting weights pretty heavy in order for the leucine to work. So if you're just taking branched chain amino acids and you just are hoping that it's going to completely transform your body, uh, that is not going to work. Um, you actually need to combine it with contraction of your muscle. And, you know, it could be, when I say lifting heavy, it could be heavy weights. It could also be heavy volume. So it could be lighter weights with um, higher volume, either one, you know, depending on what your training is, it will work for both, both ways. Um, but that's why you would want to use a branched chain amino acid. Is RBCAAs incorporated any into any sort of protein powder? Great question. Yes. So you will actually find branched chain amino acids in something like a whey protein or casein protein. They're actually automatically be in there because they're part of the profile of the meat or dairy derived, meat based dairy derived okay. proteins that are casein and whey. So casein and whey are both milk um, derived proteins. And so those are naturally occur in whey. In fact, I actually like to recommend that people take a whey protein instead of just a simple BCAA okay. because you get all of those amino acids, not just the branched chain amino acids. And we know the other ones are really important right. too, but the the leucine in specifically is great, great for your muscles. Okay. So while we're on the topic then of whey, what about any really protein powder, whether it's pea protein, whey, uh, casein, is that how you say it? Casein. casein yeah. um, do you feel that powder in, pro I should say protein in powder form affects you differently than a whole food would be if you were to eat a chicken breast? Yeah, for sure. So yeah, so definitely the protein itself is going to kind of act the same. So your protein, your body's going to see protein as it does. It's going to take that protein, chop it up into amino acids, absorb it and use it as it needs to. The When you get it from a protein powder, all you're getting is protein, which is great. Your body needs it. If you're getting it from something like a piece of chicken or a piece of steak or, you know, anywhere you get protein, you get protein from fruits and vegetables as well um, in different amounts, your body We'll be getting all that protein, sees the amino acids, chops them up, absorbs them. And then you also get all the other wonderful stuff that's in food. So for something like, you know, chicken, you're going to get the protein. You're going to get all of the minerals that are also in chicken. You might get a little bit of fat as well. So you get all of those things that work in combination rather than just that isolate that's going to do its job for sure, but without all of the benefit of all the And you get to chew it. <laughs> And you get to chew it. This is true. It's so it's satisfying. So satisfying. Food should be joyful. And it's delicious. <laughs> yeah. Because you get like animal fat, which is like just really translates to flavor. Yeah, exactly Sorry, right. vegans. Plug your ears. Sure. Sorry, vegans. <laughs> yeah. I mean, plug your ears. The thing is, is that vegans actually get plenty of protein sure. too. Yeah. Uh, it mm -hmm. gets, um, you know, protein starts in plants. It actually starts in the soil, in the ground. So what makes protein unique is that the, all those little amino acids have a little nitrogen on them. And so the nitrogen comes from the soil. So gets sucked up, makes plants. The cows or the chicken eat the plants. They take those amino acids, make muscle. You take the cow or the chicken and you eat their muscle. So even if you, you know, like anywhere along that chain, your body's going to work the same way as the cow or the chicken when it eats those amino acids from grains or fruits or vegetables or whatever, it's going to use them. Wow. The same that's way. a really cool way to look at it. I never really yeah. thought about it that way. That's why cows are so muscular. Yeah. They, yeah. they are yeah. so muscular. Yeah. They don't eat meat. Isn't and that crazy? Like grass. people like Christina and I were just like oblivious to that. And like, you know why <laughs> people, why cows are <laughs> like that. 
I've spent 15 yeah, years I studying no, this, I love so. it. It's so cool. Here's like, I understand it to yeah. down to the like <laughs> tiniest degree. I understand yeah. it more than I want yeah. to understand it. <laughs> okay. So one more, well, two more, two more questions for you. Oh, wait. Can I say one more thing about protein? Yeah. Okay, cool. So there's a lot of different proteins that are on the market. There's whey, there's casein, there's pea protein, collagen. Now, one of the things that you want to pay attention to when you're taking a protein supplement is that you get a wide variety of those amino acids, particularly those essential amino acids, the nine, and you can Google them, the nine that you can't make that you need to eat. One of the things that's really interesting is that collagen is so hot right now. It's kind of being pushed everywhere. And the thing that's really interesting about collagen is that most of the protein in collagen is not essential, which means your body, you'll get it from other places and your body, um, you don't need to eat it in order to, to, um, to have it. One of the things that is essential is if you want to make collagen in your body is actually to have vitamin C. So when you eat collagen and you eat it and your body chops it up into the amino acids and you absorb it, if your body needs to make collagen, it will take those amino acids and make collagen. But it doesn't like you don't eat the collagen. It travels as collagen through your digestive tract and then it becomes ligaments or like wrinkle removers in your face. Um, Your body will use the amino acids that it has as it gets from food and then use them where it sees fit. So one of the ways that you can actually make more collagen is to have vitamin C on board. And the way that we know this, we discover this. So you've probably heard of this disease called scurvy, right? Yeah. So scurvy is this disease we just, we lent us to learn that we need vitamin C because people's teeth were essentially falling out of their mouths, like, like all the pirates back in the day. And the reason for that is because they were not able to make collagen. And so their gums were kind of like rotting out of their head and their teeth would fall out. And so that was a massive vitamin C deficiency. But now we know in order to make that collagen, the real magic in the sauce, the real secret is actually is vitamin C. So if you don't have vitamin C, you'll make collagen. You've got protein running around, you'll make plenty of collagen um, based on what the, the amino acids are that you're, you're, you're eating. So don't eat collagen to make collagen. Right. I don't even know what to say. I, yeah. I need more. <laughs> I need more. I, you're giving me everything I need, but I need more. There we go. <laughs> I this is this is just such like uh, this is just blanket statement, but this is not even the problem. It's just more of like how aloof consumers are to the benefit of mm, a product. Yeah, and you know, I have to say, I don't think like I I have a generous dose of skepticism about industry yeah. in general. Like people want to make money. This is fine. Like we live. This is the, the way we live. I do think that for the most part, people start out with really well-intentioned. And this is something that I think about too with the fitness mm. industry is I like the fitness people, wellness people, these are my people. I love them. I think that they're so genuine. I think that they're trying really hard to do the best that they can to help people be healthy. I just think that the the translation between what we know and what we're actually doing, again, it's just so lost mm. because science is really hard. It takes a really long time. Industry moves so much faster than we can keep up with. I mean, like we think about like even the CBD stuff that I'm talking about, we have no data and we've got more products on the market than we could possibly ever handle, right? I'm like, maybe they're doing something that could possibly be true. And in fact, in this case, it it likely is. But it's just really hard to keep that 
link between what we know and what we're doing with what we know. I like that you said that though, about the industry as a whole. It's not that you feel, especially as a scientist with like a a strong backing in, in, you know, what you're, what you're not only learning, but, but teaching, but that everyone has good intentions. I think that's important because there is so much information out there and it's not that people are just talking to talk. Sometimes they do have a vantage point, but maybe it's just not fully proved. Developed. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's true. And I think, you know, like we're all trying really hard in this space to help people, you know, like I don't think anybody is coming at it with any kind of malice. No. And so I think when you learn about something that you're just like, oh, like we want to make more collagen, we want to make people's bones and, you know, stick together better. We want to like, you know, make sure that our skin and our teeth and our hair and our nails are, are, you know, healthy and shiny. It makes logical sense to say, if I eat collagen, it will become collagen. Like that's not a huge leap, but it just doesn't really translate that way when you look at the the, the way physiology actually works. And in fact, it's why I went back mm. to school to do what I do is because I just wanted to know more. Yeah, Like I have a degree in biochemistry because I'm like, I want to understand why collagen, when you eat it, doesn't actually yeah. become collagen in your body. Oh, I mean, it can. it can. It certainly can. Yeah. But like doesn't automatically become collagen right. in your body, right? I love that. So, I mean, yeah. And I, I, this is the thing. It's like, then I feel like I'm excited to, and I feel kind of a responsibility to go back to my fitness wellness people and be like, no, 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 wait, like this is yeah. the way that it's working. Yeah. But I think that's the best part is like full transparency. It's not even to be like, you're right or you're wrong, I'm right. It's more of just like, actually, I just spent two years studying this yeah. and let me just like fill you yeah. in. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I try not to we be an asshole people like you. It. That's the whole idea. No. <laughs> <laughs> you do a really good job at not being an asshole about it. Okay, good. Oh, yeah. Sometimes I question myself, like I'll hit the post button and I'm like, Ugh. no, that was borderline. You're, the first post I saw from you was, by the way, recommended to follow you by Coach Nat because we were talking her and I just about celery juice when this her. was like, oh, yeah, the whole trend. I mean, not even probably a year ago now. Yeah. But that was the first post I saw from you. I'm like, I am a lifer with this chick on Instagram. <laughs> Subscribe. Yeah, celery juice. So uh, good. I'm still on that one. That was, that was the one that I posted the other day, the search that I did. I blew my students' minds. We were in a food science class and we, I was teaching them how to use PubMed, that Google search. And I was like, you guys have heard the celery juice thing, right? And they're like, yeah. So we're searching and I'm showing them how to use it. And then it literally comes up again, zero studies on celery juice. And all of them, you could visibly like hear and watch them lean back in their chairs and <gasps> like gasp. Like they were like, oh my God. It can't be. We're in nutrition and we didn't know this. How is this possible? I was like, oh my God, here we go. Yeah. Here we go. This is the start Love of it. your education, kids. You're doing yeah. such good work, Rachel. <laughs> so good. I have one more I'm question for you um, before we let you go, because I know I could just talk to you forever, but we'll have to do another one. Can you tell me about creatine? Mm. Paige, have you ever taken creatine before? No, because like in my mind, it's like bro juice. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I think when I hear the word creatine. I know. I think creatine has a really, really bad reputation. And that's why I wanted to bring it up because I need the facts, Rachel. Tell me about creatine. (laughs) I'm ready. I'm ready. So creatine actually works. So this is for real, for real. Oh my God. Yeah, I know it does. 
So, so drink right, creatine, gonna, not collagen. What? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna go through some like really super sciencey stuff, but I'm gonna try and keep it super thirty thousand foot level. You ready? Yes. Okay. So when you make energy in your body, ATP, right? That's the energy molecule in your body. It's how things happen. There are three ways you can do it. You can do it by the phosphocreatine system, which is going to be the really, really early surge of energy that you get in like the first 10 seconds that you do something. You can do it with glycolysis, which is going to be a really inefficient way to use sugar. And then you can use your mitochondria and this process called the electron transport chain, which is going to use either glucose or sugar. And that's where you're going to get a lot, a lot, lot of energy. So when you are lifting weights, you will rely on those first two systems predominantly. So the phosphocreatine system and glycolysis, because they are not, um, they don't require oxygen. So if you think about, you go for a run for a really long time, you start to breathe really heavy, you have to get more oxygen to your tissues, you're using the electron transport chain, it requires oxygen. So you breathe heavy to give it to it. When you lift weights, you might have a moment where you're like, oh man, that was really hard, but you don't get out of breath, right? The reason for that is because you don't use oxygen mostly for that fuel system. When you are lifting weights, you're using those first two systems and the main one of the main systems is going to be this phosphocreatine system. So what happens is you use ATP. ATP is adenosine triphosphate. It means that there are three phosphate groups on that energy. You use one, it pops off a phosphate. It's not usable as energy anymore. What creatine does is it actually supplies that phosphate to go on really quick. So that way it's circulating around in your system. That ATP goes to ADP, diphosphate. It can quickly be regenerated to ATP and you've got more energy right away in that first 10 seconds. So it makes you really much more efficient and it makes you able to lift heavier weights. Therefore, you get stronger, you get bigger your muscles get um, you know, larger, whatever, um, because you get much more energy from those first two energy systems, specifically phosphocreatine system. I know that was complicated. It was, but I am, I'm trying. So okay. what you're saying is like, let, let me, let's see if this is correct. <laughs> okay. I'm ready. So what you're saying is it goes into your body yep. and it's usable for the beginning part. Exactly. Of your energy, like of you exuding Production. energy. Exactly right. It's exactly right. Done. Yeah. So you have more energy <laughs> to lift heavier weights and then your muscles get bigger and stronger. Okay. So it actually, and, and is it boosting you in a way that's like not natural? No. Um, I mean, it's a very natural system in your body. You're kind of boosting it unnaturally because you've got that extra phosphate group that wouldn't otherwise be there. But I mean, as far as, you know, systems go, it's a pretty natural process that you're just kind of giving a little boost to. So it's a little boost. It's not like roid rage. <laughs> no. Yeah, no. So no. So steroids are going to act in a really different way. Okay. No, these are just kind of like giving you a little, I guess I would call it a natural boost. A natural yeah. enhancement. There you go. That's actually... Oh, that sounds like a different... Reason it for bro juice. sounds what? like a dick pill, but it's okay. <laughs> it does. It's all right. We could bring bro juice in a whole different way here. Yeah. So since we only, I think only women listen to this podcast, we're not going to talk about <laughs> dick pills tonight. There we go. But maybe next season, yeah. we'll do a whole episode. Stay tuned. On dick pills. 
Those were discovered by accident, by the way. Dick pills? Which is really fascinating. Yeah. It was supposed to be a blood pressure regulator pill. Mm-hmm. True story. And all of a sudden people all are of a like sudden, popping boners. And four hour erection. There you go. Walking around wow. town with their wiener yeah. sticking out of their pants. <laughs> Sorry, that just took a turn. It really did, but it was a very natural progression how we got there. Honestly, everything that we talk about right now sounds like we're talking about dick bows. And you're like, it's a very, it's a very natural progression, the way these things you know, Oh my God. Okay. Okay. We're getting off topic. Let's wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. Rachel, thank you so much for oh my goodness, thank you coming on the pod. Um, where can our listeners find you? Great question. So the best place is probably Instagram. So it's just my first and last name, which is actually kind of complicated. So I'm Rachel Pajednik, which everybody's like, oh god, here we go. But Rachel is E L E, and Pajednik is P O J E D N I C. P O J. Okay, cool. So yeah. we'll link that in our show notes. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. Um, My pleasure. I, I just want to say I wish I wasn't so much still in student debt, loan debt, because I would totally move to Boston and come be a student of yours uh, because ah! you're amazing. You could be an <laughs> online student. We have an online <gasps> master's. Yeah. Stop. True real. story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, come find me. Yeah. I also teach um, two courses that are open to the general public at the Harvard Extension School, and they're all online. So if you look that up, I teach a course on nutrition in the fall and a course on exercise in the spring. So you can oh find God. me there. Yeah. Okay. That's I actually incredible. You yeah. are such a wealth. You, I oh, love just like how much you. you give to people and just keep doing what you're we'll doing. Link, so we're going to link to that, um, to that as well, the classes that you have to the, the general, that you share with the general public. Amazing. Awesome. Thank you so much, Rachel. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks, guys. One more thing, guys. We do have a special message from Nat. Why don't you guys take a listen? Hi, have it, babes. It's Coach Nat here, and I'm sharing a coach update that by December, I will no longer be a coach at The Habit. Instead, I will be practicing what I preach and the importance of work-life balance, and I'm going to be focusing on my full-time career in the health and wellness tech space. Juggling the two had been pretty tricky, and this was definitely a difficult decision to make. Um, My time coaching at The Habit has been one of the most rewarding and enjoyable roles that I've had the pleasure to hold, and I've truly loved getting to know and work with each of you. So I'll be continuing to one-on-one coach my existing clients, but I'll be not be taking on new clients from this point forward. I'm really thankful for each and every one of you, and I'm so proud of the goals you've crushed, and I'm always going to be here in your corner cheering you on and wishing you nothing but the best. Obviously, such sad news, losing Nat as a coach. Nat, we love you. We will continue to love you. We wish you the very best as you continue on your journey. And thank you for all that you've done for us. 